episode of Below the Frame. I'm talking to Muppet performer Bruce Lenoil. We talk about family, how Bruce became a puppeteer, and the many, many projects he's done over the years. We will also be paying yet another visit to the Injury Corner, and we'll ask a puppeteer a question about not puppets. Okay, it's time to go Below the Frame. Go, go, go Below the Frame. Welcome to Below the Frame with me, Matt Vogel. Uh, I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. If you like our podcast, please do us the kindness of rating and reviewing it wherever you do that kind of thing. I don't know where that is. Yelp? Is that where? I, I have no idea. Uh, but it, uh, just it, please do it. Anyway, today I am talking with Bruce Lenoil. Bruce has been around performing with Muppets and Henson and all kinds of projects over the years, but I don't think I ever really got to know, or, or maybe didn't even know Bruce until, very well anyway, until we did the Muppets film in 2011. Bruce was my right hand for Uncle Deadly for most of that shoot, but that only scratches the surface of what Bruce Lenoil has done. Plus, he's just a, a heck of a person, fun to have around on a set, uh, got a lot of big thoughts, as you're going to see today, so let's do it. Let's go below the frame with Bruce Lenoil. <laughs> Oh, no. That's it? <laughs> How many of totally you have done hundreds of these? You can't I, remember I, one person's name? Fine. Here we go. Do somebody else's name. Bruce Lenoil, welcome to Below the Frame. How are you, my friend? <laughs> I'm hanging tough. I'm yeah, doing yeah, well. Yeah. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to speak to me on this little podcast. Oh. I'm excited to talk to you. Yeah. i got to say something first, you know, because... Matt, you're 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 a special individual. Everybody loves you so much. You know, you're the, oh. you're the Tom Hanks, Jimmy Stewart, Opie on steroids guy. <laughs> we love you for that. But I gotta say, for me, doing this show, the real star of the show is Jack, your son Jack. He's <laughs> he's luminous, and I yeah. would suggest being nice to him because in yeah. a couple years, you know, you're gonna need him. I know, I know. He does these <laughs> things very. He's he's very. He's, he's really good, boy. Yeah, he's great. He's great. Um, he is a he's a good guy. Uh, well, let's talk about you though. Oh, uh, fine. Get Jack. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't say that. That is going to be edited out. That's but. Yeah, he never listens. <laughs> he doesn't listen anyway. Uh, like my so where'd kids. You, where'd you grow up, Bruce? Oh uh, well, uh, I was born in Brooklyn, New York, like a lot of us. You know, very proud of that too. Mm. Brooklyn Jewish Hospital. You know, da da da. They cranked out all the Jews for show business. <laughs> you know, vaudevillians, keep them coming. Yeah. So uh, I was only there for for first five years of my life. Um, the things that I remember about it were um, um, the exhaust from the good humor truck. Because <laughs> I was little and I was, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. I was holding my mom's You're hand. Right and, it, and it was always like winter, so we're freezing and we're, and we're getting good humor because, yeah. my God, I have to have good humor. So the mm. blah, 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 in my face, you know, and then a <laughs> coconut bar, that's, that's my triggers. I'm, that, that kind of set me on the path of destruction. <laughs> but it was delicious. And then another thing was... Um, when President Kennedy was shot, I, I remember my mom just almost dropping me, and I was in front of a black and white television, and it was just, I think it was three and a half, but it was the first cognitive memory, because she, she panicked, and she was, you know, of course, the whole world panicked, and, and everything stopped, and it was that one moment of not being safe. Oh, 
It was amazing. Oh, and also there was a giant uh, slide, and I fell off it in my snowsuit. Luckily, my mom, you know, you put on the stuff. You, you came from the Midwest, you know. You put on layers and layers, so I, could bar- I could, couldn't even move, you know. So I'm on the slide. I shouldn't even, you know, walked up it. It was actually, if you, if you touch it with your tongue, you could stick. Yep. It was that kind of thing. So I just tumbled down, and I fell, and I had a lollipop in my mouth. And my mom was like, oh, he's dead. And, and she was running, and I remember just coming to, and I had a lollipop, you know, and I still kept the lollipop because I wanted to finish it. It was, oh, a, yeah. it was a dum-dum. It was a yeah, really good that. Yeah, I think it was root beer. Really good one, you oh, know. Oh, so. that's a good one. But I, I didn't die. I don't know if the dum-dum saved me or the dum-dum <laughs> falling. Either way, I'm still here. But You're that was still Brooklyn. Here. Well, and where, so tell me a little bit about your family. Family. Well, um, my family, my mom and dad came from Brooklyn, like, uh, I don't say tenements, but one-bedroom apartments, because uh, it was, they were um, kids of um, immigrants, and especially my father, because my, my grandfather, he, he spoke broken English, he was, uh, he was from Israel, and um, have a lot of relatives in Israel still, um, and um, he was a painter. And uh, he, him and his, his partner, Israel, painted uh, a lot of the schools in, uh, all over the city. And there's a story in our family, too, about uh, one time somebody, they couldn't pay him. And they said to him, Aaron, would you like us, we can't, we can't pay you right now, but we can give you a house. Can you imagine having owned a house the trade. in the city? Yeah. Oh and he said, God. no, I wait, I wait, it's, uh, it's fine. <laughs> And, and that's the thing. It was like the lost rich. That was the biggest yeah. joke in our family, which came from a Jerry Lewis movie. My, 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 <laughs> my, my, my mom and dad, that's where we all gathered, was, was in front of the television when, you know, there was a Jerry Lewis movie or a special. I mean, that's, that's when all the Michigas and the craziness and the yelling and screaming, which is really pertinent in my family, settled down and we could all laugh together. And that was one yeah. of the, the, the keys that I think all of us, you know, where you go, if I could make people laugh... Uh, that will, you know, distill some of the, the difficulties that everybody's going through. But they yeah. couldn't get, they couldn't wait to get out of Brooklyn, the two of them. They got married, oh, really young, you know, they had hardly had any life experience, you know, and so um, y- you never left that, that circle, you know, uh, mm-hmm. of the family in Brooklyn. But where know. did you end up going? So that's the thing. My, my family, you know, my mom, you know, she's, she's a firecracker. She, you know, she was uh, sleeping on a couch, basically. She never had her own room. And my dad had, you know, that little as well. I mean, my mom had an older sister. My, my, my dad, uh, so she was the youngest. My dad was a middle child. Mm. And so, you know, they both, they both wanted to make their mark, and they both wanted to, to be who they were. So they wanted to just break out. So what they did was move to New Jersey, which is like going to the moon <laughs> in, 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 in the family you know, circle. And so we went to exit five, which is like where? And we ended up in a small town called Willingboro, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And my dad, they bought a house for, I think, $15,000. It was three quarters of an acre. And it was like, it was the biggest. And they scraped and they had to get favors and things in the family, which when you borrow money from your family, it could be very dicey, you know? Yeah. But we were the first to go to New Jersey. And it was rural and it was, it was, uh, it was ours. And, 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 uh, and, and, and they were... That was when my dad was happiest because he had all this space and it was his land and he could do whatever he wanted. 
when, when we got a dog, boy, did we get a dog. First, we had a dog named Snoopy, and the, the dog snapped at my sister, and I like Snoopy because he didn't snap at me, but, right. <laughs> but that wasn't very nice. So, no. you know, I gave Snoopy extra food, and one day I gave Snoopy like uh, four or five um, um, Oreos. Because I grew up kind of heavy, and so food was a, that's a whole other issue, but food was a very important thing. We were told there was people starving in China, you got to finish your plate. In fact, you got to finish your plate if you want to have dessert. My mom was the greatest yeah. dessert maker ever. You know, she'd make pudding, and in every little nook and cranny, there was, was bowls in, in the fridge, and that yeah. skin on the pudding, you know, and, and, the, and those lumps of pudding. <laughs> oh, oh, so good. But you had to finish your food if you wanted to. I had to finish my food. So, <laughs> and a lot of the food was not that healthy back then, you know. It just no, wasn't. Yeah. We, you know, we, we, we were just kind of coming off of ketchup as a sauce on spaghetti. <laughs> Come leaps yeah. and bounds. My kids now yeah. they chase Michelin star restaurants. So uh, I broke that chain. That's right. Yes, <laughs> Thank you did. God. Yeah. Can you, can you tell me, Bruce, what were the kind of things that you did as a kid when you moved to New Jersey? What did you oh, do? Wow. I, I know. I thought about it. I thought, you know, was I was I just a sad person? Because there was bullying going on because I was I was fat, and there was only like three or four Jews in the school that I Jewish kids that I was uh, I went to, but that didn't bother me. It was like I was encased in my body. And I, I realized I couldn't get out of it. There was no diets or anything like that. But I felt, I felt strangely at peace because I, I knew that I, I was sort of observing. When you're, when you're heavy, um, you're, you're kind of ignored. Uh, unless you, you do something, you, you stand up and do things, you know. So everything was more calculated. And I, and I, and I, I watched and learned a lot. And, and I had a lot of time to myself. And I was always a singular type of friend. I always had like a best friend. You know, but we in New Jersey we were, we were we were relatively happy. We got after after oh it was the dog story. <laughs> so yeah, I gave yeah. I gave Snoopy the five things, and then I think it was the next day. My mom said we had to get rid of Snoopy. I said what? I was I was devastated. She goes yeah, his stomach turned over and 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 he he passed away. Oh no! This wasn't the case though. She because she was he was snapping at my sister. He, it, oh. could, she couldn't have him. I didn't know for six or seven years oh, until no. you know we had a family conversation. He goes, "Oh yeah, we had to get rid of Snoopy because she was he was biting you know June, my sister." And I you're said, thinking, what? I, you "I thought you had done Snoopy. it." Oh gee. So I carried that all my life, <clears throat> oh, at least until my uh, early teens. So that was interesting. But the consolation prize is we got a great Dane named Princess. It was like a small horse. Matt. <laughs> yeah, she was gorgeous. I mean, she was unbelievable. Brindle color, and she was a, the kindest, you know, the Marmaduke, most beautiful, loving. We would lay her on, our, on a couch, and, you know, she put her head in your lap when you were eating, and then your lap is soaked because she's just, you know, pouring, you know, feed me. But she was so kind and so beautiful. Wow. When you were a kid, this is, what is this? This is the, is this like, are we in the 70s We're in the now? 60s, pal. We're in the in 60s. In the 60s, so. Uh, I grew up in such an interesting time. Yeah, mm. so did you, when did you become aware, or did you become aware as a child of, of Jim Henson, of Sesame Street? <sighs> puppets, not, not so much puppets, because the things that were around me were so intriguing. You know, mm. every night we would watch the Vietnam War on the news. So I would play... Play was everything, Matt. That's yeah. where I, I would play so hard and so intricately. I mean, we play war, my friends and I. But we were watching everything in real time together. There was no, you know, uh, of course there's these theories and this and that, but it happened. And it was, yeah. how did they get, it. how did the cameras capture that? How did we see the first step? 
How did they do that with the technology that was available? I mean, we just got transistor radios. We were freaking out and so happy. <laughs> yeah, and they put a man on the moon. Ah, <laughs> He's there. Maybe yeah, I, I can know, go. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And I, and I said, uh, uh, everything was possible, you know? Everything... Every, it didn't matter where you were because it felt like every kid could become president or wanted to become president, maybe. And I got mm-hmm. into student uh, government and actually was the president of my junior high school. And because uh-huh. it, it, was, it, was, it was something that you could do and I, I wanted to just do everything, you know? So what, what, as you are going through school, particularly leading up to college, what are you thinking you're going to do? I mean, was play inspiring you uh, to look to a career in in the arts in in acting in in something like that well or? yeah there was experiences in school it was like um uh, it was uh, we always with the choirs and we, we sang we sang secular songs and stuff and um so there was a christmas pageant and i was the heavy kid so they said you want to be santa and they, they knew I was gregarious because, you know, I couldn't contain myself. I had so much energy. <laughs> I also had a lot of anger and fury. So the emotions, controlling the emotions was very, very hard. Um, but they wanted me to do it, and I, and, and I did do it. So my mom sewed me into one of, her, one of her sweaters, and we put cotton, and then his big beard. And so I was Santa. And I, I learned all the lines, and I, I was doing a great job. But because I had his beard, it was basically like this. We couldn't hear you, but we knew you were great. And I said, okay. But being chosen and doing that was like, ooh, I kind of like this. You liked that experience of, yeah. of being on stage yeah. and hearing applause or laughter. There, there, was, there was like, uh, I wasn't made fun of then. I was, I was accepted mm. as Santa. So that was an that was uh, you know, eye-opening experience. And the other one, maybe a little bit of you know, possible puppet possibilities was we made paper mache stuff. You remember the smell of paper mache? Oh, yeah. And that feel and that warmth? Yeah. So I made a, a, a Snoopy. Just, just, I, I saw Snoopy because he was embedded in me because I love those specials. Peanuts, yeah. was, Peanuts was a group of friends that they all had flaws. It was a pr- prelude to Muppets and, and they, yeah. they ex- still accepted each other. Charlie Brown, oh, Charlie Brown. But still, Charlie Brown did get an invite. Charlie Brown got a rock. But he was still part of the group, you know? <laughs> yep, and and everybody had their quirks. It was very Muppety, really. So I, yeah. made a, I made a Snoopy. And it wasn't with a mouth, but I love that Snoopy. It was the first and only puppet I made until, until uh, college where uh, I discovered puppets. But oh, not in college, but somewhere else, which we'll get to. But it was, yeah. that was the only time I really played with puppets. But I, my first movie was uh, when I was five. I went to the Fox Theater, holding my mom's hand, and there was Mary Poppins. So as a first movie, there's characters dancing with cartoon oh, characters. Yeah, how There cool was, was people that? singing their feelings. There was, it, it was just everything. It was perfect. You know? it's, very, it's a very magical movie. Oh, and the emotionally a rectification with the father. You know? Yes. Let's go fly yeah. a kite. And it's like, Dad, let's go fly a kite, you know? You, what did you go to college to study? Oh, And where okay. did you go? So what happened in New Jersey is that, uh, and, and, and sadly for my sister, we always moved after a, a six, sixth grade and then going to junior high school. We, we went from the moon, which is New Jersey, to Mars, which was California. My dad oh, got an went opportunity. to California. My God, it was, it was like unheard of. Why are you doing that? What are you, crazy? How could you leave the East Coast? Let, it, it, nothing existed after, you know. 
I guess, yeah, and in so Virginia. much family <laughs> family was there in in Brooklyn they, and New York. And they the needed area. they needed to break away more. You know, it was it was mm-hmm. the and my father had this great opportunity. So my mom thought, yeah, okay, great. This is going to be this is going to be great for the family. And and I have to thank my parents for taking that gigantic leap because honestly, all this probably wouldn't have happened to me if I wasn't. You know, we went to Woodland Hills, um, which is in the San Fernando Valley. And um, the possibility of show business, you know, we went to Grauman's Chinese and we went to Universal Studios and, and Disneyland. And yeah. my God, you know, you're seeing all this fan- fantasy and fantastical things. And I'm, I'm still going, I don't know, how can I, you know, I, not even how can I, you know, I just, I just loved it. And I, I don't know if I hoped for that. It was junior high school where I had my first real play. Mr. Clegg, he was this uh, kind of uh, jaded, burnt out actor, and he was doing this little gig uh, with the junior high school, Hale Junior High School. And we, we did a play, and the first play we did was a play called The Lottery. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's I don't Shirley, know that one. Shirley Jackson, yeah. I think. Um, but it's a play where they have a lottery, and then the winner of the lottery is uh, um, chosen to stand in a circle and to keep the peace of the town they're stoned to death by all the other townspeople. This is junior high school, 1973. <laughs> Dear goodness. Yeah, edgy. And, yeah. and we were like, yeah, let's do this. So it was <laughs> my wife <laughs> who got stoned, not that way, but the bad way. Yeah. And yeah. It, was, it, it was great. Everybody was rocked, but it was like a lot. So he did something a little more sedate, which was a timeout for Ginger. And I was the father and uh, was the lead. And then... Everybody loved it. And at the end, there was five curtain calls, you know? And my mom wow. and Stan, you know, taking a picture in front of the stage. Mom, go away. You can't do this. you got to sit down. <laughs> so she's so proud, so proud. And so it was the five curtain calls that went, I went, you know what? This is good. Yeah. This is this really is I good. I want, I want to get some attention here. Yeah. Well, that makes it kind of makes sense. And it seems like, it feels like you're, it's in a positive way. It's, it was so much and, joy. And, and, and all the work, all the hard work paid off. And then you go, this is worth working really hard for, you know? Yeah. That was and one you of the found that thing ever. that you really, I think you found that thing that you were connecting with. Yeah. Sure. I mean, yeah. obviously now, but looking back, it, it does seem like that was the thing that was going to be your path. That was, that was the path you were going to take. So what did you end up doing? Well, um, I had a, an amazing drama teacher, Dolores Fishley, and we had a very contentious relationship. I, strangely enough, my mom's named Dolores, and so I had another Dolores in my life, and both of were, you know, no nonsense. <laughs> so she wouldn't take any nonsense from me. She taught me discipline. So the first Shakespearean show, she did full Shakespearean things. She cast me as Petruchio, and I counted the lines. It was a 507 lines in Shakespearean uh, verse that I had to oh learn. My never having done it before. And I don't know how I did. I don't have that brain anymore, but I absorbed it. And she went, mm. I, I can help you. I said, no, I got to do this myself. So I would record myself and I would listen to the, you know, the cadence and, and I, we watched a couple other performances of other actors, but I did it. And I became Petruchio. And, I, you know, once I had the ball, boy, because you have the ball, you're on the stage almost all the time, you know? Yeah. And it was so much responsibility. I was so proud of myself for doing that. That I, that I actually could do it, and then people came, and I and I actually came through. That informed me, you know, that maybe I can just do about anything, you know, because 
That was impossible. This was while going to school. It wasn't like I was in a rep company, but I loved it and, and uh, I was really good at it. But, you know, I had, I've always battled my, my ego. I would, I would let it, you know, fill me up and thinking I was, I was something special. I was not just one of the, the, the gang. Because I had a chip on my shoulder, because I had a lot to prove, because once I got to high school and puberty kicked in, the, the fat kind of melted off, and all of a sudden I was a semi-attractive, you know, more normal person. And that power and stuff and having all of that attention was overwhelming. And I didn't know how to juggle relationships because I never had them growing up. I had my best friend Greg and he, you know, he would sit on me when I had a, you know, I would go crazy and he would go, you calm down yet? (laughs) Get off me! (laughs) Yeah, I'm okay. And so we would go on with our friendship. But I mean, without that, without those, you know, stopgap measures, I, I... I, I, I still have trouble, you know, understanding relationships because they're so complicated. You know, as puppeteers, we're like gladiators, you know. We're friends and then we're always going against each other. And then when you, like, say you, you, get, a, you get a job, you don't know if you want to call, hey, I kind of got it. And you're apologizing for getting it. And, oh, no, I'm happy for you. And you say it to the, everybody else. Isn't that, it's, it's a really weird thing we do. <laughs> you said it, Bruce. We will be back with Bruce Lenoyle in a few minutes. But first, come in. Jack, yeah, come in. He must not hear me. Jack, come in. Can I come in? <laughs> yes, I said come in like a hundred times. No, oh, I didn't hear you. Got my music in. Ah, well, you know, I mean, when you knock on the door, maybe you should. Blah, 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 uh, blah, blah. Okay. We all know why I'm here. It's time for the injury corner. Oh, I can't wait to hear how some poor puppeteer got hurt. And this time, make it a double shot of pain. Injury Corner starts now. Frankie Cordero, welcome to the Injury Corner. Oh, thank you. Have you ever had an injury that you'd like to talk about, that something that you did while you were puppeteering? I have two injuries I can think of that related to puppeteering. Um, okay. When I was working on the national tour of Walking with Dinosaurs, mm-hmm. I, it was all animatronic puppetry, so we were doing it from afar over a Wi-Fi system. And um, my controls were a keyboard and a joystick, sort of like a flight simulator joystick, video game joystick. Yeah. So it was a lot of standing in place and a lot of very small controlled movements with your thumb or finger. And we did a ton of shows, and I'd already done, I think, one other tour of that before. And so one day, my pinky and my ring finger went completely numb. I can't remember what this tendon was called, but there was like my tendon actually slipped away from my elbow joint and it was out of place so i had to do a lot of physical therapy to get it back in the option was either to do the physical therapy and get it back in or they'd have to actually operate and place like a stop basically place like a wire over to make sure it never slipped out again sort of a guide to keep it in there so so for quite a while i didn't know what it was and, and then they ended up saying it was overuse just from you know it's probably an injury that I never really played many video games as a kid, but it's probably a popular gaming injury, perhaps, or wow. you know, joystick injury. You didn't have to yeah. do the surgery. No, I didn't end up doing the surgery. Luckily, because I had the, I was still in the middle of the show, but learned to do some left-handed stuff as well. And what was uh, what was your second injury? 
Second injury, this was more of an injury that I had before going into a, an audition. So the day before auditioning for Madame Butterfly at the, Met, at the Metropolitan Opera, so they had this big cattle call audition, and they wanted to see how we could work with the puppet. And the puppet was a little heavy. It was a three-year-old kid, three puppeteers on the puppet. And the torso uh, had to be held pretty much hovering in space. Like you had to be, there was a handle on the back of the puppet, and there was someone doing the head, which was pulling up, and someone doing the feet, pulling down. And it was, it was sort of, it was Bone Raku style puppetry, but we weren't on a tabletop. We were actually on the floor. Um, so the person doing the feet is actually scooting and, and just doing a duck walk the entire time. So anyway, the day before that, I was at work, and I came into a room uh, just to say hi to my friend for a moment, placed my hand on the doorway. I was like, hey, what's going on? Oh, boy! And someone on the other side opened the door, which completely Ooh. crushed two of my right, my middle finger and my uh, ring finger. <laughs> Oh god! Just short of fracturing it on your puppeteering hand. It was on right, my right, right hand. Oh my gosh! And so I was completely bandaged up on that side, and I still did the audition. But I, I was doing something that would have taken the strength of one hand, just trying so hard to hold on <laughs> with just my thumb and index finger. Um, yeah, oh. <laughs> so so that, painful. That sounds awful. Yeah. So like that whenever I think awful. of that audition, I just see this huge. Jumbo bandage, you know, right right next yeah. to the puppet's head. <laughs> well, thank you for telling me your injury, and thank you for visiting the injury corner. Thank you for having me. Now back with Bruce Lenoil. See what you went to Cal State. Is that correct? that was a that was a default? We, we, my default. my fam- Yeah. What happened was. Um, my, my family wasn't into college. My dad, I think oh. he went for two years. My mom didn't even consider it because women would just get married, you know? Yeah, I think it was just that time, right? I mean, it was, that was kind of... But it was a family, too. I mean, I know a lot of families, and, and a lot of kids, in my, 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 you know, they were going here and there and there and here, and it was like, ah, uh, and then uh, I, I, I was more interested in the activities and stuff, so I ended up with a, with a B average, which is great. But yeah. for me, if I didn't get an A, it was a failure, you know? So I was competing against a lot of kids, but then my family, you know, wanted to go back to uh, the East Coast, and, and we got a house in Long Island. And um, so I didn't, I only applied to one college, you know, Cal State Northridge, but I, I, I deferred it, and I went to Nassau Community College in, uh, on Long Island. And it, it just, you know, we, just, we had to stay together. We were hoping things would get better, but that... That, that 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 juice of New York was was fantastic for me. I really, I really loved it there. And there was a crazy drama department, so we did all kinds of things. You know, we did burlesque shows. Um, so we did a lot of vaudeville, and wow. um, that was really fun. And, and and some musicals and stuff. I found some great great running mates, and we had some good times. Um, worked for a catering company. I was a waiter uh, for for catering companies a lot in my life. That was the first time. And that was a that and was that's cool. A, that's a very logical and, and a good way for somebody that is an actor or aspiring to be an actor. That's a really great thing for them to try to do because the work is oh. when you is when you need it. You can it's, do it anytime. It's right? the it's the classic work for for an actor, you know. And you yeah. you make good good money and, and and I like the fact that you know you go someplace you you know you create the party and then you had to break down the party and so. That was very much like film, you know. You mm-hmm. go someplace and you make something out of nothing. You make magic, and then the magic was gone, you know. Yeah. And so, so I, I love that. I love that feeling of there was a million things to do, but you, you always do it, and then you do it again the next day. So, 
that kind of energy was like, yeah, this is great. Uh, but the time came, it didn't work out, and my, and my dad work again, was going to go back. And my mom was unhappy because she had to leave her real estate business. And, yeah. and so she, there were was, there was sacrifices made to, to try to keep it. And, and so we went, we went back, and I had really no choice but the one college that I actually put in on. And I said, okay, it's a default thing. But I was going to stay for, to go to film school or do something you know, mm. in New York because I thought, I'm going to be on Broadway. I mean, this is, this is kind of like my destiny. Because when I was on stage... There was a feeling of being on a stage, you know, and, and, and the whole, f- it's the smell, the, the ghost light, looking out into the audience, the boy, oh boy. And then you have a, you're singing a song, you know, and I'm not a, I'm not a singer, but I, I, I'm, a, I'm a character singer. I'm good enough. You can and, sell it. Yeah. I think and you I can I, sell it. We yeah. did cabaret in, in high school, you know, and I, and I was Herr Schultz, you know, the, uh. the, and he was a doomed character, you know. Yeah. And, um... Uh, I'm singing out into the darkness, you know, and, I, and I'm thinking, what am I doing? I'm playing this old man. And a and, you know, funny thing, uh, I, I made the, uh, the Nazi flag. I felt like I had to do that. That was something that I got a calling for because I, I went to a camp, a Jewish like a summer camp? camp? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It a, yeah. And, and, it, and it was, uh, I became aware of the Holocaust and we understood, you know, the shoulders we were standing on. And I, and I felt that all my life. I mean, I don't know about you, but past lives, and I had dreams. I had dreams all the time as a kid, and I didn't understand a lot of them. And now, as I'm older, I realize I had dreams of almost the first 30 years of my life. Sets, and why aren't you, get on the set, I'm not prepared. And it was almost, it was our lives, and I'm going, what does this mean? Why am I always late to my own life? It was so weird, and and, and it all came came clear to me. In fact, I, I, I even went so far as to when I was, Juggling with my friend in Paris, we did a show in Pigalle in the red light district. Anyway, uh, I, 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 I went off on my own, and I went to Dachau in, in Munich, and I, I went to the, the, the camps, because I, I just had to go. I just felt like a calling. I almost felt a, like somehow I'm, I'm carrying you know, the spirit of others, and it was a responsibility. And, and I, was, I was there, you know, and we were looking, and they let you, you know, wander through. The, the biggest thing that, that strikes you is this pile of shoes, men, women's, children's shoes. And you, you, just, you, just, you just can't believe it. Gosh, I'm sorry we took it here, but that's, that was... No, that's okay, because, you know, that's, this is just a conversation. We're just gonna, but I'm going to try to get us on <laughs> some sort of track, and I'm going to say this question that I have prepared earlier. Okay. What brought you to puppetry? Puppetry. Well, I, I, I embraced uh, clownery and I embraced uh, Comedia de Arte in, in college. That's where I met my wife. First of all, you know, we, first time we met each other, we were laying on the floor and the teacher said, okay, we're going to do whale sounds. And so she puts on, so we're all kind of doing that. And I hear, real cute whale. I was like, whoa, that's a cute sound. And then she's laying in another uh, aisle there. And we did a scene from Timmy of the Shrew and... Uh, she played Kate, so I was like, "Ah, well, I am Petruchio. I've been, you know, I was Petruchio <laughs> in high school." So, yeah. so I pick her up and it's like, "Yeah, this is she's wow." And so that's when we started, uh, you know, courting. And uh, uh, so, you yeah. know, by going back to, it's funny how the, the, your choices in life. You know, I was going to stay in New York and pursue all of that wonderful yeah, energy. It seemed like you're on a great path to be an actor. I had to be with my family to the end game of the, of that. And then just that choice of going to the default college. That's where everything happened. 
So there was a there was a thing on the bulletin board, you know, in the green room of college, and it was a hand. It was just a hand, picture of a hand, and it was Sid and Marty Croft looking for puppets. And there are a number of puppeteers who started there: Alan Troutman, um, uh, Terry Harden. Um, anyway, what, what they were, year, when was this? This was what 1981. Nineteen eighty one, and it was they were doing a, a workshop. They were doing like a, a reboot of their their business. They had the oh you know puff and stuff and all those amazing things, yeah, which yeah. I watched and I went, wow. I mean, it's fun. I, I mean, but Lidsville, you know, and you know, and yeah. um, uh, who was who was who was the, the villain in Lidsville? Um, uh, I can't even picture. Oh, it, it was uh, it was <laughs> hello Paul there. Lind. It was not oh, Paul Lind. No, it wasn't Paul Lind. It was it was, it was the other guy. <laughs> the other one. Uh, I don't know. Oh, my God. I can't think of who it is. Oh, you'll fix this later, right? But anyway, I, I was on match game with him. We matched for $5,000. Lori and I, when we were struggling as actors, we would do yeah. the ga- game show run-throughs. Uh, Charles Nelson Riley? Yes, no. yes. Oh, is that it? Yes. Wow. And I never touched a puppet, Matt, except for that little, little puppet I made in third grade. So I didn't even do a lip sync. So... You know, I get there and they go, okay. So I go to this giant building and it, yeah. it was a labyrinth and you, you had to go to different stations and if you were let go, you went this door or you went that door to the next thing. So, you know, first thing is, hi, my name is Bob, you know? So, okay, what is it? Hi, my name. Okay, I got it. Yeah, I can do this, you know? I was, I could do anything. I, I had, you know, I had the soup, I had a superpower, which was my skills. I really could trust my body. And you, you know, were very comfortable with that. I was in okay really great you, shape because yeah. I was juggling in, 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 in Europe. And I mean, I, I was, I knew, I knew my space. I knew, I knew how I felt in space. So all of those things that, you know, you hope to have when you get into a puppet, uh, I, I was already there. I had no monitor experience, nothing like that. So they put me... And they were me, looking for that? Were yeah. they looking for people? Oh, they were looking for people who were ready to go because they had a whole slate of stuff that they wanted to do. I didn't know this. So, so Tony Urbano, the, the great puppet master, who, by the way, was asked by Jim Henson to join the Muppets. And he said, no, I have, I, I have my own things I want to do. Thank you very much, Jim. I mean, he could have been Frank Oz. In, in some respects. He was that talented and that amazing. Wow. His, his marionettes were unbelievable. And, um, and, and he taught me just about everything about puppets. So I wasn't chosen yet, so they gave me a puppet with no face. And they go, okay, get up there. And they put me in front of the camera. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to do an improv. You know, it's like, friends, please. I have no face. Please send me a, you know, and I did this whole evangelistic thing and I'm, and I'm just, funny. and the cameraman's laughing and Tony's coming by giving a tour. He happened to be with Oral Roberts and company <laughs> and, it, and, it, and his bodyguard, Rosie Greer from the Rams and they were all there and they came by just to say, this is what we're doing we're, and Tony just turns white and I'm doing this evangelistic bit. <laughs> In front of Oral Roberts. In front of Oral Roberts. <laughs> their, their biggest client that moment, he was one of yeah. them. And, Oral's just like, hmm. <laughs> he starts laughing, and, and then Rosie starts laughing, and then Tony realizes, this guy is nuts, you know, but my lipstick was good, and, and the concept was good, and so I kept going through the labyrinth, and I got into the workshop, so I was one of 16 people who were allowed to meet June Foray and uh, Harvey Lembeck Jr., and all of these people, they were teaching us master class on, on how to you know, do this and get us ready for the slate of stuff they had. So the oh first God. job I got with, you know, from this group was an Oral Roberts show. It was a series <laughs> called The Fudge Family. <laughs> and I right. was Jimmy Fudge. And it was a little boy puppet with beady oh black eyes that looked demonic. It oh was my. like a really bad choice. And 
Um, luckily, I, I had... Well, did I have some experience before then? No, not really. No. So I was, I was flailing about, you know. <laughs> Alan Trump had played the dog. Uh, we had a really great cast, but um, the culmination of the show was, <laughs> was Jimmy's fudge. I was stuffed in a, a hollow tree. You know, and it was really rough, and I had a, uh, I had a fishing rod. It was, it, was, it was a pond, okay? And then out of the bushes, out of the you know, forest, would come Oral Roberts in a three-piece suit. And I'd say, Mr. Roberts, why didn't my mom die? He goes, I'm glad you asked me that, Jimmy. And he'd go into his oration, which was the point of the show. And sometimes it was 30, 40 minutes, and I'm holding the puppet. <laughs> Jimmy's just dying. <laughs> I was just shaking. I didn't know... Uh. I didn't know anything from anything. You know? And they didn't stop. There was no, like, we're not stopping. Are you going to stop Oral Roberts when he was on no, a road? probably not. Yeah, God probably. couldn't. Well, maybe. He, I don't know. <laughs> that was up to them. But, man, it was like, so we did three of them. And then the fourth show, there were some letters that came in. Only a couple of them. And one lady just said, these are the false images of God. And, and, and they got freaked out. So we're in the middle of shooting. And they say, all right, nope, this is over. You all go home. So we all went up to uh, Greg Williams' house, <laughs> where we said, what the heck was that? And I think somebody passed around and joined. We said, what happened? What just happened? So the first job was the Fudge family uh, uh, went, going up in flames. I thought, this is how it's going to be? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. During that decade where I wasn't sure I wanted to be a puppeteer, I worked with uh, the Peppercorn Players, which is Dave Havilonis, a great, great artist. He could take a block of foam and... He had characters in his head, and he'd find them, and they were beautiful. And I played characters like Beezer, uh, a little boy puppet, and I, I, that really was perfect for me because he was he was just a, a ball of energy. And Mrs. Fingal, who had this incredible buffant that went up, you know, three tiers, and she was a piano teacher, and I and I I had a ball with that, you know, long fingernails. She was la 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 la, and we we did this for the Methodist Church. And so we went uh, to St. Louis, and we did all of these things for Concordia Productions, and that really cut my teeth on character and knowing how to do this. Um, are, are you are you working with monitors, or is it? Is yes, it, is yes, it, you are. That's where I, I started learning how. I mean, it just it was kind of second nature. The the flip monitors kind of threw me, but once once you get the you know once you, your your brain can acclimate, it's it's like jet lag. You can do this again. I just physically because of sports and because of. Uh, how puppeteering was a perfect fit for me as far as I'm hiding, I'm, I'm, I'm doing anything. Up here didn't count. I, I remember you in a, in a, a podcast saying, you know, when you audition, you, you can't, you have to let it go emotionally. You can't care that much. And that's when you usually get it. With puppeteering, it was like, this is a side thing. It's not something I really want to do. So when I do it, it was pure joy. Because it, uh. it was so silly and so ridiculous and so challenging. I loved it. And, 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 what and you got, didn't put that kind of pressure on yourself. No, but I did have it pressure. needed to be something. But when I got into union work with Tony Urbano, uh, I was part of McDonald Land. I was a McNugget. And we did, we did, I don't know, he did 30, 40, 50 spots just with the McNuggets alone. But the, pu- the puppets <laughs> that he made, but being a McNugget and just little tracker puppets. I remember made, those, Oh, yeah. man, man, it was so much fun. must have been fun. a whole lot of fun. Yeah, but you don't make a mistake, you know? Mm. But before that, the first job I did for my SAG card, was United Air Express had packages. And I, I was really brand spanking new. You know, I think it was just after the Fudge family going, I don't know if I can do this. But we, we all got cast, and I was in an envelope. And so they put me in this, um, um, not medicine cabinet, uh, file cabinet. And they maketed me in. And you know, like in horror movies, where the, where the, where the, where the nail goes, 
it's just inches away from my my eyes. And I got really claustrophobic and scared because Mm -hmm. this was not what I signed up for. And so I had one line, a personal chauffeur? And I I wrote it down. All of a sudden, I just flop sweat. And, you know, all I had to do was say my line when it came up. And I missed it the first time. And I missed it the second time. But luckily, my puppet, because Tony was going, what are you doing? What are you doing? You'll never work again. And it was, it was, it was, I was like, I know, I know, I can't, I can't. But the puppet would go, it would make a face because it was so pliable. And he'd make a, <laughs> and the, 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 the whole crew cracked up and loved the puppet because he was doing his best. And when I got it, everybody cheered and stuff. <laughs> and the power of puppets, Matt, it was like the, the campaign, they did five or six, was so successful for United Air Express. They weren't ready for the business influx because people said, great, I'll try it. This was before FedEx. They could have been bigger than big. But because they got so much business, they closed down before they even oh, started. No. They weren't Couldn't ready. even do it. Oh, and and so ready. it was like puppets are powerful. And yeah. so the McNugget stuff, Lori and I are living in a small apartment. You know how those little mailboxes, you have a little key that barely works and it yeah. rattles anyway? <laughs> we came home one day and, and it's, it's, like, it's like bent, you know, and it's like somebody broke our mailbox. I said, okay, I'm going to get the mail. And I couldn't get the key, and I finally opened the thing. And out from the little tiny mailbox comes, I think, 25, 30 checks. And we go upstairs, and we start opening Class A commercials and going, oh, my God. And it was like, this is it. This is yeah. something i got to do. You know, so... With the Muppets, with the puppets, what happened was... But, but yeah, yeah, how did, how did, Brian, how did Brian, Brian Henson see you, and, and I, how did he cast you? Oh, I, right before, no, before that, it was, the, what is, the, Jim came west, and he was going to do, I think, Dinosaurs and, uh, and, and, and the 3D movie. And so there were interviews, and I was lucky enough to interview with Jane Henson at the Hotel Mormont, and uh, she was seated like the, the queen mother in, in, in a beautiful <laughs> lighted, you know, nook, and she was there. I, I... When I went to Europe, I had this baby puppet made by my friend Wing, Wing Cats. And it was a demonic baby. I wanted it that way. But the mouth was, you know, it was, it was very, it was not, it was not pliable. But mm-hmm. I, I did some amazing street theater with this baby. And I didn't have any other puppet. So I brought this baby puppet to Jane. And I, and I met her. She was so beautiful and cordial. And, and, I, and I did my little, all the bits and stuff. And she was, she was delighted. She goes, you know, your lip sync is, I said, I know. It's not, a, you know, I was, I was apologizing already. And she goes, okay, well, you know, wonderful. Thank you so much. And I thought, all right, at least I met Jane Henson. And yeah. I'll go on with my life. And so um, there's an, the auditions for our dinosaurs came up. Um, hmm. No, no, the 3D movie came up. And uh, I somehow got a call. And I was did, one of the soldiers. Did they shoot that in? They, did they shoot that in L.A. or was that shot? In, they shot it was, in L.A. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you were giant cameras. Yeah. Oh, really? Because oh was my god, Matt, you couldn't believe it. Because every time they turned those things on, it felt like one hundred thousand dollars, two hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> so it was like you know you couldn't m- mess up. And there was Jim, like Moses. It was like that's Jim. I didn't know Jim. You know, I didn't even know. I liked the Muppets, but I would I cut my teeth on Sesame Street. In high school, I would I would even be late to class. Because when they were doing those early sketches and they were laughing, you know, the pie guy, oh, and the pies, and, yeah. and, 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 you know, and, and the sketches with the soup and everything, Burton, Ernie, and it was crackling. It was, 
it was I knew it was like this is a kids thing. It's not a kid. These guys are these guys are. It was like the Looney Tune cartoons. You know, mm-hmm. they weren't for kids. They were there were three martinis in, and they were going, "Let's do this." <laughs> and those there to make characters. That's, that's, and- I was a Mad Magazine guy. I was I was you know I, everything was set up for me to you know I was ready for the adult stage. So that's that's what I love. The Muppets were really good, but they felt a little too wholesome to me. I didn't really get the point of them as much as I did when I got the call to to start working with everybody there. But the call came for dinosaurs. Um, <clears throat> But before it came for dinosaurs, I got to tell you the story. I'm playing yeah. right field, and we're we're winning 8-0. I, I played a lot of softball because I still love baseball. So it was it was an easy game, and uh, this five ball comes on out, and I go, "Okay, I got this," you know. I'm, and I thought, "Oh, I'm going to have to stretch for this. I didn't run fast enough." So I reach out the glove hand, right, and and I somehow I somehow kind of kind of dig it into the ground, and then I roll over on my 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 yes. And I come, I, I, I flip over and I turn and I take the glove off and I, I watch my wrist and the bones just go, and I went, oh, and I just learned um, the breath of fire, uh, you know, that meditative breath. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, I don't know why I learned it just, you know, the week before, but I realized I, I started doing because I was going into shock. My wrist was destroyed. And I panicked, and then they got me to the hospital. And Dr. Sisto, amazing doctor, I'm laying there, and I'm thinking, uh, I don't know. I mean, this is before the call came. But I'm laying there, and uh, he goes, listen, I can, if you let me, I can, I can reset the bones with my hand, or else we could put pins in, and you can go to surgery. But if you let me, I can do this. And I said, okay, go for it. I mean... You know, I'm in pain. It's like unbelievable. So he just Whatever kind of... Whatever you got to do. Yeah. So he's... I, I feel it. He's manipulating. He's just going... He knows He knows his stuff. And he was like... And then they lock me up in an L cast, okay? Up to here. And I'm just miserable. It's like, oh, man. All the puppet jobs I would get. So ring, ring. Hi, Bruce. Do you want to come to the workshop for dinosaurs? <laughs> I said, uh. Yeah. You sure do. <laughs> yes, I do. So it's like, I have nothing say, to lose. by the way, I have a cast on. No, what was the point of that? I'm going to go, and <laughs> if they're going to kick me out because I can't, uh, yeah. At least my you're right there. hand, I had my right hand. You had your you right know? hand, which is but I was, important. Yeah, so that audition, oh my Wait, God. Wait, you showed up in a, in a cast, your whole cast. arm, on your left with, arm. With all the puppeteers, everybody, everybody was there. I mean, it was the big oh deal. Gosh. And it was, again, it was Gladiator. Every day there was a list. You're gone. You're gone. So I'm, I'm, I'm working my ass off. I'm focused, you know, and I'm hoping for the best. And uh, I kept making the cut. Boom, boom, boom. So we get to the meat and potatoes of all this. We get there that day. They go, okay, we're going to do something a little different here. This is kind of what the show is all about. And lined up were the Ninja Turtle heads. And they put me in front of the big one, which was the control system, and Michelangelo's head. And I'm looking at this thing going, and you just go, it, it was that lightning bolt of, this is my destiny. I mean, I... You I weren't at, fearful? You didn't think, I don't know what the heck this is. I was just calculating. I was like, okay, how can I make this work? And so I put my hand in, into the wall. I was like, oh yeah. Oh yeah, this feels like, you know, I, I don't know. I was like, I was flying an airplane. I was, I was, I was a jet pilot. I, this, this, is the, 
This is the coolest thing I could ever think of. A puppet that's remote control? Yeah. Yes. And then I put my hand in, and I, I can't. I, I mean, I have a, I, my left hand, and I, and I go, excuse me. And so I go to the restroom, and I get a scissors, and I start cutting away the oh, cast. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, because the thing... It was, you know, over you want the to get just your hand in. I gotta oh, get, I gotta get the hand in there, you know. And it was, it was two weeks out before it was coming off. But I, there's no way I gotta get my fingers working. I gotta, I gotta feel this thing. So I cut the cast away, and I get into Michelangelo, and I start, I just start going. And then the energy transference of of animatronics was was my destiny. It's what I love the most because somehow I'm supposed to do that. And so I just start flying. I'm just having a ball. And I, everything and all the fears and everything just melted away. The joy of that, you know. I didn't even care about what happened in the workshop. I just know that I love this so much. And I just, could they ever give me an opportunity to, to do this? And so I get home and I, I think I get the cast off and then I haven't heard yet. And um, I think Kevin Carlson gave me a call and he goes, I didn't get it, but I think they might give you a call. I said, you think? I don't think so. And then Brian gets on the phone. Lori goes, it's Brian. You know, I'm sitting on the bed. And goes, you got to work on your lip sync. I said, oh, well, this is the, this is the kiss off. Yeah. But I think we'll have you in for a unisaur. I got it. I'm in the show. I'm in. So wow. I get to go do this. I'm not, in, I'm not one of the family members. I'm not anything. I'm, 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 I'm whatever he wants me to. Anything, yeah. you know. And I get to that room. I don't know if you saw some of the footage of the, of the rehearsal and where everybody's trying on the suits and the heads are there. And then off to the races we go. It was uh, unbelievable. And then, um, I'm, you know, I'm doing good and things are going well. And then M- Michelin Sisti walks in and says, like, he changed my life, you know. He had a fedora hat, came right <laughs> off of Broadway. I mean, it's just like, wow. Everybody Nobody's was, cooler. Nobody's cooler than Meech. Oh, my God. And we're laughing. We're having a great time. And, and then, you know, Brent says, I mean, I mean, I'd like you to do, you know, Charlene, you know. What? What? Yeah. He says this to you. I think, I think, yeah. You know, I'm going to upgrade you. You know, you can still do the unisaurs. You know, also I was going to be inside the suit, too. So tell me, who, what are the unisaurs? Are those the puppet versions or Those are are the the suit characters that played all all of the uh, ancillatory, the the extra characters. Okay. So they could dress them up and look like different characters. Okay. It was Ed and Gus and... and uh, s- s- sourpuss, or, uh, and, and were you going to do the, the 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 facial manipulation, or, or I was going to do, do the facial manipulation, but but because um, I don't know what it was, I was in I was in um, one of the characters, the blue character, uh, for a little while. It's actually a shot of me wearing a full suit with a tail, and I'm at the big one doing you know uh, Charlene, <laughs> and then I went back to do. Uh, the Mr. Pullman character, the, you know, early on I did a couple of the scenes. In fact, People Magazine came and they shot some stuff, and it's me in, 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 the, in the Unisaur, and because my nose, you can see, because it was in the neck, it, it, it was like yeah. this over your face. It, you couldn't breathe. <laughs> Other guys, you know, you had to open the head, and at least you could see a little bit. Uh-huh. Here you couldn't see at all. So you see my nose as the Adam's apple of the character. Oh, that's funny. You know, and there's me and Brian in, in a full two-page picture, of uh, of dinosaurs, it's coming. It's the next big thing, and we opened. Uh, I think sixth. Uh, that was our peak, uh, f- top ten uh, when what? when the show premiered. But oh my! What a great God. show! And you had a great experience on that show. Beyond great, everything. It kind of set you up for disappointment because it was it was the everything. They needed everything from every one of us, 
at everything that I ever did in my life, I did for and with the show. And everything that happened uh, that set up my life with, with my wife and my family also happened. The birth of my son, all of these things... You know, and they had a softball team, and you played all the other TV shows. We played oh, coach, that's cool. and 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 uh, you know, uh, uh, just they, and and they all kicked their ass because they had these giant guys, you know. And I ended up being the high arc pitcher. So you know, between takes, I would be practicing pitching, you know, in the alleyway, if not playing uh, hacky sack. We were fantastic yeah. at hacky sack. Mac Wilson was 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 our was our mentor. He was our mentor with, with puppeteers. Still the greatest animatronic guy ever. Um, Man, and, and it was just so much. It was so much fun. We were there every single hour of our lives. I do want to talk to you more about this, you know, this remote puppetry that you're so good at. But before I do, I have a message to play for you that somebody sent in. So what? Take a, yeah, so take a listen to this. No way. I remember the very first day I met <laughs> little Bruce Lenoyle. He was a cuddly, wuddly little fellow, and he had such a bright smile on his face. Little did I know that he would become a nightmare. <laughs> we all dealt with it. We love him anyway. <laughs> My dad. Uh, I My have dad. a little quick memory, if you're looking for one. Yeah. Sure, Bill. Um, one of my favorite things to do with Bruce Oil is to try and get food <laughs> out of his nose. Bastard. Because I've made him laugh so hard. Oh, my he God. He can tell you more about that. Uh, but Bruce and I come from the same water, you might Willingboro. say. Mm-hmm. We're both from Willingboro, New Jersey. We realized that when we met on Dinosaurs 30 years ago. Bruce, uh, can you believe it? <laughs> it's no. been that long. Nope. Uh and we've been friends ever since. I couldn't ask for a better daughter. <laughs> Thank you, um, Daddy. You were my first daughter and only daughter. Dinosaurs, <laughs> of course. God bless. Uh, and uh, I love you to death. Oh, and if you're looking for any great metaphors or analogies, Bruce is your go-to. Any topic. <laughs> you name it, he's got one. Love you, buddy. Love you. And I'll see you soon. And we have, boy, a lifetime. Uh, Bill Beretta. Bill Beretta. Bill Beretta. Bill Beretta. My God. I mean, he never really touched puppets, you know? And then, and then <laughs> I know. all of us who trained for 10, 15 <laughs> years, he, he just leapfrogged because he was supposed to. And yeah. talk about somebody who was destined to do what we do and love. I mean, he is just the, what? He's, he's the mayor. I mean, he's, you know, yes, next yes, to you. Is. I mean, Bill Beretta he's, is... God, he's the fire, he's the torch, he's the... Well, I do, I do want to go back. I don't want to let it go. He did say, food through the nose. All right, so we're at his house. Tell me what happened. <laughs> and we're eating a salad. I don't know why we're eating a salad, but... And Bill, Bill is, is evil in the fact that he would wait until he knew he could do something with what you're doing. So I'm eating, I'm eating, I'm eating carrots. And, and he just, he ha- I don't know what it was. He, he just went, big and I went, <laughs> and I spit upward and he was renting this house and there was a chandelier and it was really high up there. And I, I somehow landed carrots all over the glass chandelier and they were just dripping. I don't know if they ever got them off, but and, it, and I think it came out of my nose. You ever did? It, it wasn't a whole carrot, right? But it of was course a not. Sliver, 
chewed it, carrot. It's not a good feeling when a sliver of carrot is shot <laughs> out your nose. No. And it, it was just, it became a legendary thing because, boy, he, it, was, it, was, yeah. it was mean, but incredibly funny. But isn't that, well, isn't that like the, 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 the hallmark of what we do? I mean, what other jobs you're sitting there, you know, you know, aerospace, and nobody goes, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you can't because, you know, I know. planes will crash yeah. and rockets will burn. And you can't. You're, you're right. No, you can't do that. We are in a profession where we really do laugh a great deal, a lot, all the time, on screen and off screen. And everywhere in between. We'll go to dinner, we'll laugh. We'll be at lunch, we'll laugh. It, it is part of our job, really. I mean, most of the time is to be, like, well, up a, and happy and A laughing. puppet show uh, uh, it doesn't exist without an audience. It, mm. It's a live event. It's, you know, we, of course we record it, and we hope for the best that it has that crackling feeling. I mean, Dinosaurs Off the Floor was unbelievable, Matt. I mean, we were all in, this, in, in, in the mode. I mean, we were flying with, with, with Charlene, Misha, and I. I, he was. He taught me everything I, I needed to know about show business and, and getting takes and, and getting it in one. We could do a show in four days. We would save them like one hundred fifty thousand dollars. They come to us and say, "Listen, we're really short this week or something. Can you do this short show?" And we go, "I guess so. We'll try it." Misha says, "I got this. We'll do this. Just follow my lead." You know. So we were there for each other. It was. Wow. It, it was. It was. It was such a well-oiled machine. You know. And we we're going to do a feature, and we never. It was such a sad thing because. We had six weeks. We were going to do a dinosaurs feature oh, really? between, uh, the, I think, the second to last season, at, or the last season. And they and they just said, "No, we're not ready." And we we were so ready. And then and afterwards, we wanted to go onward and do, you know, more together because we were um, the most well-oiled team. We, we we were the championship team. We could do anything because they were the greatest crew, and and the, and the, and, the, and, the, and the greatest shop in the world, the Jim Henson Creature Shop, you know, all over the world. Remarkable Arts, stuff, the right? The greatest artists and the greatest human beings, the most giving, the most sacrificing, the, the most just, just beautiful human beings that made the most beautiful creatures. That I, I, I mean, sports cars, you know? Because I feel yeah. like, you know, we're, we're, we're race car drivers, especially animatronics. When you get a head that is just well-oiled and everything works and everything you touch, every movement your hand makes, which well, you're in Kermit, everything counts in Kermit, you know? Uh, I have a small hand, and I've always been, you know, you know, chasing all the puppets that are made because they really come down from Jim's image. The guys had big hands, and they were tall yep. men. And I'm, yes. a, you know, being little is really hard. You know, you know, it was in the Cat in the Hat. It was not made for me. It ate me up alive. It was down here, and it was a beautiful oh puppet. And nobody wanted to change it. But if I had any bend in my elbow at all, it looked like he had scoliosis. I had to work so hard to keep him upright. That it was, it was, it took all my energy. Yeah, that yeah. I'm, now I'm thinking about it, and and I feel like I've heard this that 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 puppet was so long, just very long, that it was difficult, very difficult to, for anybody to perform. It was, and and the arms were extra long. They went, they went for this <laughs> right. cartoony I'm, thing. I'm picturing it. So yeah, you, you have this big U's. You have you know, and so they. I know that they wanted me to open up the arms. But even with an, an assistant, it was it was impossible because you couldn't stay in the frame. So it was it was there was so much going, on. and there was beautiful eyebrows, and and mostly I'm talking you, know, you talk to camera, and it was really hard. I think Marty did a really lovely job the second season, you know, where that was him, you know, you know he he had the, the body and he had the experience. Oh yeah, his so the manipulation was better yeah. for that puppet. I think Raleigh made that puppet, and this 
fantastic. Goodness. They were gorgeous. Yeah, it's beautiful. All those puppets are so... Uh, they they really look like Dr. Seuss characters. I mean, they, yeah. they've did, done such a good job with those. Exactly. Did you did you audition? I didn't even know that there was a search for the cat until I, I was know. on I was on Muppets Tonight, and and then Kevin said, you know, you and Drew go go audition. You know, oh, okay. Yeah, I don't think I did. I think I was just doing Sesame stuff. Because they, you know, they looked at they looked they looked and looked and looked, you know, and so it was, yeah. it, was it was just weeks after that I just you know left Muppets Tonight. And I went to New York, which, you know, was overwhelming. It was a lot. I'm sure. Back with Bruce in a minute, but right now it is time to ask a puppeteer about not puppets. Ask a puppeteer about not puppets. On today's Ask a Puppeteer About Not Puppets, we've got a question for Noel McNeil about not puppets. Noel McNeil, what record would you break to be in the Guinness Book of World Records. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would say, um, proving this, blathering. <laughs> just, <laughs> just talking. Just talking? <laughs> just talking. I think talking, because that seems to be my strength. Just like, just talk and talk and all these little ridiculous stories that I have. Ridiculous amount of trivia. I told you about... Paul Winchell inventing the artificial heart. <laughs> That's true, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. So right, yeah. there's that. So I think just talking, maybe. I could be a great filibuster. <laughs> Ask the puppeteer about not puppets. Back to the show. We are back with Bruce Lenoyle. Yeah, well, let's back up for a second and talk about yeah. uh, Muppets Tonight. No, oh, Muppets Tonight. Um, uh, again... I had, to, I had to check myself because I was in Dinosaurs. I mean, I, I, I thought as an actor, because I tried to be for, for a whole decade, I was thought, and I really wanted to be an actor. I couldn't get an agent. I had casting workshops. I met the, you know, my, my, my greatest claim to fame was uh, I was a waiter on General Hospital. You know, one time the actor used my name. And I learned to dress a bottle, like in a little tuxedo with a, <laughs> with a napkin. And that was yeah. like, hey, at least I learned a skill that I can use in my life. <laughs> Hopefully, if I can get a nice restaurant job. Because <laughs> nothing's yeah. going to happen with his acting career. Um, but uh, I, I always thought, you know, you get to, like, guest star level. And then if you play mm-hmm. a lead, you know, and you get an agent, and it's like, well, well you can't go back down, you know. Again, I, I really, I was, I was taught... You, you, you know, you go here and here. Because, you know, CEO does not become, you know, right. goes you in the mail room. The bottom. But yeah, in puppeteering, yeah, you do. You can, yeah. I think, it, it, yeah metaphorically. It, it, it depend, yeah, you can. It, because it just, it just depends. And, and here's the thing is, even on Sesame Street, we, uh, you know, we do principal characters. And then we'll also assist people. And, and even right. with the Muppets, we do that too, right? You know, we'll do a character and then we'll go assist somebody. We'll write, some, we'll write hand for right. somebody. And if you get caught up in the fact that, you know, you, you think you, you know, oh, I really deserve or I, uh, I think that I'm better than, you can, you, you can lose yourself and you can lose the fact of what you're doing. And, and, and you're, not, you're not in the moment and, and you're, not, you're, you're doing yourself such a disservice, but you don't understand that. And I had to learn that. It had to be weaned out of me. Because, you know, this last section of my life, you know, for the last 10 years has really been right-handing. And I, yeah. I embrace the, 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 the honor and the joy of being a part of, you know, one of the, the, the greatest ensembles puppeteering in the history of the world. Well, and that's <laughs> what you said right there is ensemble. And that's, that ensemble. everybody counts. Everybody matters. Everybody is part of this group that makes this thing. 
happen. Man. And we can't do it without yeah. all of us working together toward that goal. Oh, I'm, so, I'm up tonight, and it was still the time of, of uh, Jerry, and it was still the time of Frank. You know, and I, I right-handed for Frank and Jerry. Uh, I, I got a little taste of Sesame Street, you know. Mm. I, I think I did the count once for him uh, on a side thing. And then I did a lion hand with, with Frank. Frank was, Frank was tough, man. I, I mean, I don't know your experiences, uh, but, but, but Frank also was the most embracing, loving man, you know. When I was at the, the reading of, of when they were deciding which script to do, I mean, he had me at, at his reading uh, at the Disney lot and stuff. You know, and he says, of course, Bruce, you're, you're family, you know. Mm. And when, when, yeah. when somebody says that to you like that, you know, you just go, no, I'll, I'll do anything for them up. I'll do, you know, thank you. Because that's, that's what I, I wanted is, is safe harbor, acceptance, and, you know, I'll, I'll do any job that's needed because I am part of something bigger than myself that, wow, um, I'm blessed and lucky to have. You know, and that's what Brian yeah. gave me, you know, by, by letting him become a part of the family and then introducing me to Muppets. You know? Yeah, and, and through that, that show, Dinosaurs, was your gateway oh. into this whole new world of puppetry that was just on the horizon. I mean, I know you did films like uh, Dr. Doolittle and uh, Adventures of Pinocchio and Jack Frost, yeah. Flintstones, Viva, Viva Rock Vegas, uh, and, <laughs> and, and, and The Country Bears. And in those sh- movies, in those films, you were doing this system. Was this the, was this the HDPS digital puppetry no, system? The, or was this a pre This was, this was the big one. This was the, uh, this is the, the system that they used, you know, I think in Jim's day, you know, and it was developed more about the creature shops to do all the animatronic work. It was the bridge between the CGI. And so we okay. had this decade, you know, where we got to do movies. Because Brian asked mm-hmm. me at one of the parties, he says, you know, so what do you want to do? I mean, <laughs> Brian, the CEO of one of the biggest companies in the world, said, what, what, what do you want to do? You know, yeah. what do you want to do? I, and it was like, God, man. So I said, I'm going to do movies. And he goes, why? They're hard and, and you can... <laughs> And in the series, you can get, get into the characters more. And I said, I think it's because of that. It's because it's, 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 it's impossibly hard, and, and it's always fresh. And I think movies just last longer, because in my mind, that's what kicked me off, was movies. Something that you did get to do, I want you to talk about, Henson has this system. HDPS system. Unbelievable. It was, it was just, we, we, and we were so far ahead of the curve, too. The guys were just geniuses, you know? Um... Uh, just, just it created this, this system. Brian put a ton of money into it, and you know it was, it was, it was, it was sort of magical. It was like only a handful of us were doing it. This was my astronaut dream, where I was doing something that nobody else in the world was doing, and honored to do so. Again, the controllers were made for very big hands, but what we can do with those controls is that you can pad it so you can make sure your hand fit really well. You know, this is something that people don't talk about is that mm. if a puppet isn't built around you and it doesn't feel right, you, you, that's something else that, that comes up or, or takes your attention. And those one, two beats are gone forever and you yeah. miss something and you blow a take. Suddenly everything can tumble down. It's a house of cards, puppet shows. It really is, yeah. You know, it it's be. so much, much work so. and you don't have the time. It takes so much money and effort to get to the point, to get on camera and get it. And then, of course, if the film crews are new, you've got to educate them. Yep. The time it takes, 
it's so exhausting. Usually at the end, you know that everybody's great friends and they, we didn't know the puppets. But if they had a bad puppet experience or one that's subpar where people don't Mm -hmm. know that you're working together, and God knows camera does not want you to have any input on camera. You know, we're That's the only true. actors and performers that say, could you move the camera for me? Can yeah. you imagine, even, even yeah. you know, Marlon Brandon's going, I need the camera close. Nobody was like, no, yeah. Marlon, you, you do your job, we'll do ours, we'll you do know. Ours. There's and a we line. Did, we, yeah, and we did kind of have sort of that experience on the 2011 Muppets film. We, it was a, it was a little bit of a struggle, but it was a little bit of a learning curve for them and mm-hmm. for us, you know, to try to, Figure out how we work together, how we're, how, you know, we are watching literally everything that's going on on, on camera. Exactly. Every frame we are watching and we can see everything. And in the movies, and, you know, they, you only have limited time on, on a set because you're on, on location. And, um, you know, the shorthand that you need to have a puppet crew that, that is, is just stellar. Okay. And you, you've been blessed with the people who have done it for all their lives and do yeah. it in such a way where you don't have to say anything, you know? No, the, I know. the adjustments are made and, and, and you, can, you, can, you can reach for the stars and do, do even more amazing things because we, I think we can do it. Let's try it, you know? Yeah, but and when we you have can, that remarkably on Sesame Street. Oh. Our, our crew, some of whom have been there since day one and some of them have been there since, uh, you know, for a, quite a number of years, are just so good at what they do from yeah. every every department all the way from top to bottom. It's, they it's, really are amazing. Yeah, if you haven't experienced that, and, and you, it's always a struggle. So that the freelance puppeteers, you know, you, when you're not with the the groups that try to get the same people all the time, and you are coming in with with one puppet for one project, it's so hard. I mean, I <laughs> I think I did early on uh, the new Lassie, and mm-hmm. I was a talking. Mitt, you know, baseball <laughs> mitt, and they they stuck me all over the place, but they wouldn't give me a monitor, and I'm going, God, please, I just need to see what Lassie's doing, and and whoever the Jimmy is that's with Lassie, mm-hmm. you know, and I I couldn't react properly because they they were even talking, we're going to spin off this this mitt for a series, <laughs> really. <laughs> I, I would know because I can't see it anyway. But I, you couldn't see. I mean, and you probably didn't see. have anybody there for you to advocate. They for really you, weren't interested mean? in my expertise and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and so again, you know, you come in with, you know, I have this. I'm this person. And then with right. puppets, you're always uh, not always, but you're knocked down to size, and, and you're you're understanding that everybody doesn't understand. It's still very kind of do your magic and don't talk to us if, if you don't need to. Is there a different kind of mentality in, in the film industry particularly when it comes to a puppeteer? Uh, I feel like there have been some experiences I've heard about where film puppeteers are seen to be just, you're a cable puller, and you pull this cable, and that is your job, and then that, and that's it. And you know, Well, yeah, because a lot of the different. shops, of course, a lot of the shops that did the, the, the great creature movies that we all love, and the aliens mm-hmm. and all these... You know these amazing movies. Uh, you know they they come from a different mentality. Not everybody is a trained either actor or puppeteer. They're 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 great shop technicians or they're new shop technicians, and they don't get paid a lot. You know for the build perhaps because again it's all budgets. And so when they get to set, you know they get to be the actors. And sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had a lot of, of give and take with stunt contracts and things that are 
are, are mislabeled uh, and, and not understood of what we do. You know, we're SAG actors, you know, or, or union yeah. actors. And um, <clears throat> when you're not considered that, or it's just a below-the-line type of thing, mm-hmm. or, or we'll have a prop guy move it, you know, you've always had... You, right. There's yeah. that gray area, uh, and the creatures are, are not... They're featured for their scenes, but they're, the movie's about... The story and the actors and the director, these yeah, these actors, yeah, and the cinematographer yeah, do, and everybody I feel else. Like sometimes we're not seen uh, oh, no. as actors. Nope. I think it's a little bit different when you when you come with the pedigree of of, of Sesame Street or the, or the Muppets. I mean, those are the top. That's the top. You know, and it's, it's a struggle. I think for other people, oh, right? But I mean, you can, but you can, you can impact. You know, I had a number of situations where um, I was in. Doctor Doolittle. We, we, our creatures were, were really good, but but we were again there were real uh, animals. We had a real tiger on the set. And you had to really dance around it. There was one scene where we were all like hidden in our puppet places, and they let the tiger walk through. Which I don't know if that was probably or ever happened again. You know, it was like, yeah. and and if you get near a cage, say I'm talking about fifty feet, the, the tiger can just like shoot their urine at you and just say, get away. And so you have to you, you have to know. Exactly where the tiger is anytime you walk into the room. Mm-hmm. So we were, the, the creatures were having hit and miss, you know, situations. And I was working, Marion uh, from, from the creature shop, she made this beautiful guinea pig. And I, and I was, I was, that was my character that I was prepping, you know. And so when my first scene with Eddie Murphy was on a, on a car. So he's, we're towing the car. And I'm, I'm in the back of the rig, and my face is, is, I have the controls, and I'm leaning down. The road is basically three feet from my face, and I'm looking up, and I'm working the, the thing. It's, it's mounted to the roof of the car, and Eddie's driving, and he's just staring at me. And Eddie, Eddie, was, Eddie was not that engaged. He was, he was, he was, he was like kind of like not thrilled about how things were. You know, we had rat puppets. He didn't like rats, and he was like, no, nah, I don't want to. And it was just like... And we were not, like, it didn't hit us. So I'm there, and I'm ready. I mean, all I did was prep this thing, and I had lines, and, and I just start ad-libbing, you know. Uh, and uh, Alan was there with me, and, and the director was here, and we're, like, we're all leaning forward, and we're all leaning, and we're looking at Eddie, and we're just driving back and forth doing the scene. And I just started, you know, I had a good uh, improv day, and, I, and, I, mm. and we had, it was really fun. Do you feel and like you made a connection with him that day? The, the first AD says, you know, I got to tell you, 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 you saved the shops, but because we were going to let you guys go. It was that, that big. And it was a moment. Who knew it was so high stakes? <clears throat> it was a moment, you know. Yeah. Uh, Jack Frost wasn't greenlit. And um, I had this amazing head that the Creature Shop built. The guys are amazing. And so the, the heads of the Creature Shop said, you know, we, we have to do something. Let's take this head and let's go to Warner Brothers, the executive suites, and set it up and go for a Hail Mary. So yeah. they put it on a shelf and I'm, I'm facing the head, which, was, which I was having a ball on. I, I, it didn't matter. Uh, they let Sam Raimi go, you know, just days before, which was so sad. Yeah. <clears throat> and <clears throat> he was going to be the director, but wow. we ended up with Troy Miller, a wonderful guy, first time director. But... It wasn't green lit yet, so I went there and I just sang Christmas carols and I cut up and I didn't. Everybody who was walking in, it was everybody, anybody in Warner Brothers behind me, and we just kind of just had a laugh fest, you just know. Playing. Yeah, that's it, just playing, and um, that did it. That that moment, it's it's those moments of when when you pour yourself into um, hit or miss, you know. Brian always loved 
something about me which always irked me. It's when I was lost and I didn't know what I was doing. And, and, and I was flailing and, and the puppet was, was I, I would never stop. I mean, the puppet was, you know, when the, the puppet has its own life and yep. we need to get out of its way. It's, it's a flow of energy. It's energy flow. And the creature, the beautiful creation, will, 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 it's like a, a divining stick. It will find water. It will find gold. But you've got to be quiet and listen as you're doing all the machinations and the things that we do. And that's when it starts to fly. Sometimes it takes modern rehearsal. Sometimes it takes the tweaking of the puppet or the chemistry between the people. You know, yeah. it doesn't yeah. always happen. And you think it's a turn-on and turn-off switch, and it's not. It's not, right. But if, if you're in the right place at the right time, and, you're, and, you, and you have something that you love, you need to just let your heart lead rather than your head. And you get out of your own way, and it's there. The emotions will flow, and the truth will come out of the puppet. The puppet can't, puppets really can't lie. And when you do something that's not right, it's just yeah. not right. <laughs> you can tell. Yeah, everybody can tell, you know? Yeah. That's not so-and-so. That's not who we, you know, because everybody has them in their heart. And the crews that, you know, you know, because the relationships you have with everybody you work with all the time, the crew and everybody, mm -hmm. and when Kermit's saying hello, you know, between you and Steve, I, Kermit, I have a relationship with him. Mm -hmm. I, I covet that. I am one of the luckiest people in the world. Mm. Kermit knows me and I know Kermit. <laughs> and that's just truth. And there's nothing that can ever change that. Yeah, I have, I have a true. father and mother, I have a family and two beautiful kids, and I have relationships with the Muppets, you know? As yeah. long as I live, they'll know who I am. That's true. Kaboom. That's true. That is insane to think. You are absolutely right, though, because when I am going to a set and Elmo goes, oh, hi, Matt. Matt's here, everybody. I'm like, Elmo just said my name? And you and still say, kind of say that? Yeah. <laughs> it's, and it's delightful because... Yeah. You're a child again, and I think yeah, that's, absolutely. That's, that's the equalization and the beauty of what we do. Is, it's just the, the it, we bring out the child. The child can't hide. Everybody's child can't hide. And every star and every you know, giant ego or people think that they're, they're better than this human being, they just yeah. go to jelly. And then, they, could you yeah, just do this do. for my kids? Can you do this for my mom? And, and you're more <laughs> than willing and happy to cut up with them on a level of, of just equalization, friendship, and, and joy. Yeah. Well, uh, here's one place where I, I think that we spread a huge amount of joy, and you were part of this, was the Muppets at the Hollywood Bowl. The Muppets take the bowl, and then the Muppets uh, take the O2. That was Those live shows. What yeah. do you feel? How do you feel? The energy. Part of those? Oh, that was it. I mean, because I wanted, you know, I, I didn't make it to Broadway. Uh, I didn't have that feeling of the energy always coming at us. You know, we got the crew. We, we you know, we got each other. You know, yeah. and then you hope the reviews are good, and then people pick things apart. You can take things personally. You, you can distill the experience. When the experience is great, you, you, you want to cherish it. But this was something that was so communal and so needed by everyone. And I invited all my family. And when they came back to say hello, you know, there was this, like, this, this, this innocent, that nobody, it's just, it was just thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It was a personal thing. It was like, I needed this more than you can know, you know? Yeah. And then we were standing there, and I'm standing next to Paul Williams, and I got this, the chef on my arm, and the orange lights and the, and, the, and the faces, and everybody's singing, and the flow, the yeah. flow was like, you're cleansed. Nothing, no, everything can be better. The world, even though it's been shaken up like a snow globe and nobody knows where to turn or look, yeah. 
we all have this moment of just, you know, the lovers, the dreamers, and, and, and you, and me, and, you, and, you, and, and you, thank and you, you, and everybody. And yeah. everybody, and God, Jim, what Jim did, this one fire, you know, that still burns, you know, it's like the eternal flame, you know, at Arlington. Mm-hmm. It's just like, it's there for everybody to see. It's like, this won't go out, the Olympic flame. The, yeah. And we carry that forward for Jim and everything that Jim stood for. We are here to represent that and move on. And Jim absence. made this fire because he wanted to be by it and, 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 and have wanderers and people who, who, you know, need something and something to latch onto, something important, something personal, something that'll always be there for them. And this, these, these creations are that. And yeah, what is better to do? What, what, there's nothing better to do. No, I, I agree. I agree with you, Bruce. And this brings me to a part uh, on your bio. At the very end, you say this, and this is kind of what you're talking about here. You said, we stand upon the shoulders of all creative souls before us that enables every single voice to tell their story, their version of life's unpredictable magnificent journey while illuminating all our lives with the magical gift of play. I think that's beautiful. Thank you. I mean, I hope so. I I hope people get to feel that and allow themselves, give themselves the inner permission, you Mm. know, because it's, uh, you can, you can talk yourself out of love and joy thinking that you're either not worthy or somebody else thinks you're not worthy or I can't take a chance. I'll, I'll just stick with, you know, what I have, but, there's always something around the bend, you know? Stay with the flow. Don't jump off the raft, you know? Trust yourself, you know? And I, ca- I forget, I ca- you know, you telling me these words back, it's like, yeah, yeah, right, remember. You know, when you're, when you're, you're lost and you don't feel like you're, you're connective and you're not, you're comparing your old self to your yeah. new self. Yeah. And you're realizing you can't be your old self again. You, I'm not... All those magical skills that I had and all, you know, all, all those senses. I wear glasses now. I see the monitor different. You know, it's hard to read a book. And you go, what happened? Well, you're a human being. This is what happens. Yeah. It's the progress of life. Yeah, but you have richness and you have, you have worth and you have something that's important. You know, yeah. you may not have the reach and you may not have the reach physically anymore. <laughs> but you true. still, you still <laughs> you can still, try. Yeah. God bless you. Right. We have Dave goals. And mm-hmm. every day with Dave is a gift and a half. You know, it, it really is. I feel like oh. it is such, it is, I'm so grateful to have any minute with him. You know, we've spent a lot of time on Zoom, just kind of chatting and, yeah. and give each other a hard time in real life. You know, <laughs> yeah. It's all, of course, very lovable, but that's, but it is what a, I know, we know, Bruce, we know Dave Goals. I, like, he's one of our friends. He's a friend. It's like game over. Thank God. Thank you, God. Thank you, thank you, thank yeah. you. You know? It's unbelievable. And he would, he would, he would, he would scoff at our, our comments about he it. He would. Yeah, he would go, oh, stop. And then he'd go, okay, give me some more. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> all right, Bruce, I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions. Woo-hoo! Are you ready? I, uh, ready as, as ever. on the top captain, of your head. Captain. Okay, here we go. Ah. What's the hardest part about being a puppeteer? Oh, uh, not enough takes when you're on a roll and you just, oh, you know you got this. And then you get it, say, in take two, and they do 40 more takes, and you go, they'll never see my magic. It just right. won't happen. It's just so I frustrating. It I got it. What? Didn't you see it? What's the easiest part about being a puppeteer? Oh, you, Bill, 
the boys, everyone. I mean, the, the camaraderie and, and, and mm. you know, no matter how long it is, it could be a year, and you meet up on a Muppet Project and you go, I'm home. I am yeah. home, baby. I like that. What do you think is your biggest strength as a puppeteer slash performer? <laughs> I went it's over this strength. with my wife. I did a little. She says, my wife yeah. says it's, it's, it's uh, I'm whimsical and playful. Which she wishes I was more at home, but I, but um, um, I, I do come with an open heart and a sense of play. I may have a little bit too much energy, but I, I, I will not come to the table without, you know, some Danish. <laughs> I to- I, you know what? That is true about you, Bruce, and I was going to say this before. Uh, you know, when we did uh, the, the first Muppets film, and you, you, you and I were teamed up a lot, you would help me with Uncle Deadly a lot. By the way, that one of my right. best jobs ever, Matt, I mean, seeing you enjoy us. Was it, yeah, oh. your first movie, was it? Uh, well, it was one of, no, but it, but was, it was, was certainly it was a, a big role for me. Oh, film, yeah. what joy that was, pal. It was, but what I was going to say about you is that you always come to the table uh, with alts. And it's always great to have alts. It's great to, and you're just like, what about, and I'm just going, ha, 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 and, you know, Sometimes <laughs> we can, I can try to slip them in there, or sometimes not. I mean, it was just like, well, thank you for a hearing team them. <laughs> feeling. Yeah, absolutely. And it was a team feeling, and, and I feel like that's one of your strengths. Like, you're coming to make the project better. You're coming to make thank everything you. better. Not you, not me even, but the whole thing. Wasn't that Jim's thing was the that. best idea, yeah. it wins out, you know? And yeah. I didn't have that experience with him, you know? No. Yeah. Right. So and, exactly. I, and I and I and I wish I wish I did because it would have probably it, it, it probably you know what a guidepost that would have been you know. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, hopefully we can all kind of carry that forward. Absolutely, I, I for, think so, and I, and I everybody needs to be heard. Yeah. Oh, okay. Back to the rapid uh, fire questions. Oh. Uh, what is your biggest weakness as a puppeteer or performer? Oh boy. Um, mm, forgetting that less is more. <laughs> Listening, really listening, you know, not giving, you know, lip sync, uh, lip service to listening, yep. you know. And, <laughs> lip sync is good. And, lip service right. is and, bad. And, and when you're right-handing, lip sync doesn't help you. <laughs> no, that doesn't help. And, and being a right hand is, is just, just following, following the energy and sometimes, you know, mm. just putting a quiet period on it or not even moving at all and just inhabiting and letting, and letting what's happening unfold, you know, and being a part of not always needing to have the spotlight. I like that you turned your biggest weakness into a positive. I'm trying. I really love that. <laughs> uh, what's one of your favorite things about being a Muppet performer, Bruce? Oh, God. The people and the faces, you know, like when you guys were working and during the series, uh, I was assigned to just taking pictures, you know? Mm. And um, uh, uh, T and Peel. Uh, two of the two of the most working people in show business, and yeah. they and they were like, "We're so happy to be here." And I'm saying, "Oh my God, you guys are amazing!" No, no, you're amazing. And, and I, I had animal. And it's like, "Oh, this is the greatest thing!" And they were just like, "And they were, oh my God!" And they were just like this, like these bubbly yeah. boys. And it was yeah. like, "Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Anything, anything, whatever you need, we're here." You know, walking to somebody's business, you know, on location, and people are just losing their minds, and and you're just. You're just there to say, you bet, we're so glad to be here. And it just making people's day with the Muppets is the best thing in the world. If, if you weren't a puppeteer, mm. what do you think would be your career? Oh, I thought about this too. I, oh, man. I got a lot of energy. So, I mean, uh, <laughs> and I love nature. I, I, I don't know, some sort of like adventurer, uh, you know, uh, something with flying, you know. Oh. And I did things that go and things that fly. 
when I was co-starring with, with, with Kermit and stuff, mm-hmm. was the greatest thing, you know? I remember Bill going up in a plane, and he had a lipstick camera, and I don't know how he did that. And I was on a roller coaster, and I had a fake arm, and, a, and then I threw up, and I, I was done for the day. I mean, it, it's thrill-seeking. So, I mean, it'd have to be something exciting, like, like an astronaut, uh, park ranger, mm-hmm. gold medalist, travel job, something physical. My last question for you, Bruce. Jerry Nelson once said to me, Sesame Street's great, but always have something that is your own, that you create, that comes from you. So, Bruce Lenoyle, what is that for you? And it's not a show business thing. It's, it's again, it's family, you know? I, I mean, breaking the chains of, of whatever it is that locks people down and not to be happy. The family that I am right now, you know, mm. you know with Nick and Jenna and Laura, our, our nuclear family, is, is the greatest... It's the greatest thing that I am privileged to be a part of, mm. you know. And um, when we go camping, I, I, I miss out on a, a number of movies and things that I could have done because when we went to the beach and I learned how to pull a trailer and we got, we got camp set up and I'm cooking all the meals outside and we have the campfire going and you could see the, the light in my, my, my children's eyes. They're, they're free. The, the beach, they told me, is like their, their second home because mm. we would make a fire we would, we would have their friends. Anybody who wanted to come was by the fire. If I can make a fire that warms the heart and soul of the people I love, then I have done what I'm here to do on this earth, you know? And so I, I, I hope I can always be that kind of flame for the people I care about. Well, Bruce, thank you so much for talking to me today oh, on Below the Frame. I appreciate it. It was my pleasure. You are a joy, and may we have adventures and stay healthy for all of them, my friend. I think we will, and I'll see you on the next one. I love it. Can't wait. Well, that's it. That's Below the Frame. We will be back next week with a brand new episode where we'll be speaking with The Muppets Studio. So don't miss that one. Get updates and stuff about Below the Frame and Muppets, Sesame Street, and pretty much anything else I feel like posting on my Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok accounts at WelcomeMattV, or just search my name. Below the Frame is produced by me, Matt Vogel. The theme song was written by Stephanie DeBruzzo and performed by my band, The Mighty Weaklings. The podcast artwork was created by Dave Holtine at DaveHoltineDesign.com. Thanks to Bruce Lenoyle, Frankie Cordero, Noel McNeil, and as always, my son, Jack, for being a part of this episode. And thanks to you, the fans, for listening. I am Matt Vogel. We will see you next time when we go Below the Frame. Bye-bye. Go, go, go Below the Frame.